Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. So cool. Glad you tuned in today. Glad you're here today. We're live stream where they're in the room today with us. Uh, I'm just excited. And I believe God's going to do something in your life. And uh, thank you for being here. So uh, one of the things we do around here every week is we go to God's Word and uh, we, we open it up together. So open up the book today, the Word of God, to Joshua chapter 24. Woo! Joshua chapter 24. <laughs> two verses, uh, 14 and 15 are two verses that we've been using as a foundation for a series that we're doing right now called Flip My House. And uh, so uh, we're seeing homes and lives completely changed and flipped. And uh, remember, the return is always greater than the investment when it comes to kingdom. So uh, always remember that. So two verses. If you got it, say, let's do this. That's enough for me to move forward and proceed. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods, little G's in your life, which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. I mean, it's a choice. It's a decision that you will have to continually make. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And I want you to say this last sentence with me. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you say that one more time? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, that is a declaration. That's a Joshua choice. Let's pray and talk to him one more time before we open up the word together and dig deep. Father, thank you. Thank you just for bringing us here. And uh, for all that, that had to happen in, in each individual life to, for this moment to take place. Um, individual invitations and just uh, posts that happen to be seen on Facebook and maybe things that happened in our lives to get us to a place of realizing we uh, needed to go after you a little deeper and encounter you in a real way. You, you moved things. You shook things up. You set things in motion. And uh, you did all that because you love us. You love us with an unconditional love. And um, God, we want to, in every way that we can, Lord, live that love out and share that love with others. And um, God, we're thankful for what you're doing at Faith Renewed, and we ask you for more. Let us never become complacent in where we are with you, God, but let us continue to seek after you, hunger for you, long for you in a deeper walk, in a deeper level, God. And I just thank you, Lord, for your word today. It's life. It's hope, and it builds us, and it builds our faith, and it brings uh, just a hope where there is maybe hopelessness today, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to use this word, and as a result of this word, God, we're going to know more about you. And uh, I just thank you for that, and I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. Just fist bump your neighbor to your left and say, man, I am so glad you made it through Snowmageddon. So glad. So glad. As I said, we're in this series called Flip My House. Um, You'd have to go back uh, now a couple of months to go to the beginning of this uh, series, but you know this series is a series we're doing about setting our homes in order, 
uh, making the changes and decisions in our household and uh, in our life that we need to to have a Christ-centered home and uh, a Christ-centered family. I don't want to be satisfied with saying, yeah, we're a Christian family. I don't want to be satisfied with that. There's, uh, again, a lot of people say those things, as, uh, as Pastor Chris said, that those who say and make a declaration of that, we see from lifestyle choices and decisions uh, they may not be Christ-centered in their life. And so we want to make a decision and make the Joshua choice that for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to give our life over to Him and, uh, and, and surrender everything to Him. And that is a tough, challenging uh, call. And that is a tough, challenging decision that you have to make uh, that goes against the world mindset. It goes against your fleshly desires and your nature and, and what's in your head. Uh, it does have to become a place in your heart where you make this decision. So uh, thank you for uh, being at churches doing that. Uh, I just, I see that in so many lives. I'm hearing stories of, of things of people that are not just doing this on Sunday, but, but living this thing out in a week. And I, that just, as a pastor, it gets me so pumped and excited. And I'm just, I'm just thankful for you guys. And I'm just believing that you have a heart to know the Word of God and to live that out. And so today, uh, we're going to kind of finish up a portion of Flip My House. Uh, we have been, over the last uh, now 11 weeks, uh, looking at uh, the systematic approaches to things in our life and, and digging into some, uh, some areas that make us uncomfortable sometime and are challenging. And uh, you've been accepting the challenge, and I, I love that. Uh, we've been talking specifically to men and women. We've been dealing with issues. Uh, we've been talking to young people. We've been talking over the last three weeks on the subject of marriage and, um, and what it looks like to have a Christian marriage and a Christian home in that area. And uh, <clears throat> it's really cool. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week we're going to begin to dig into uh, the area of parenting. And uh, so that's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to discuss things and get into stuff about split uh, homes and, and, uh, and, you know, families that have come together, blended families. And we're going to get into a lot of stuff. And so uh, I'm just, again, thankful that you guys want to learn the Word of God and live this thing out. And you're okay with hearing the truth, even though sometimes that's tough to hear. But uh, I want to, I was going to move on to that. Holy Spirit, really, I felt like took me back today to, to stay one more week in this area of marriage. And so I'm going to do that today. And so I, I encourage you to take notes. I'm going to do something I've never done before. I asked my wife to pray for me in this, uh, today. And I, I'm going to do something I've never done before. Maybe it's a good thing we only have one service. Maybe God knew. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do something that's never been done before. I'm going to take four weeks of counseling that I, I do with couples and families. And I'm going to combine this into one message. It's gonna. I hope y'all have brunch before you. No, I'm just, it won't be that long. Uh, I, in doing this, I am taking a lot out. I'm not going as deep as I would in these individual sessions. But uh, I want to. I felt I was wanting to move on, but I couldn't. Holy Spirit wouldn't let me do this. So I'm going to share some things today. And I, these are four uh, truths. And some of you have been through my counsel. You're going to know this. I, I encourage everyone who goes through it to take great notes that they can teach it. That's my desire, literally, to go through this counsel, then to go teach this to other couples. And I actually hear stories of that happening, and that gets me pumped. So uh, what we're going to talk about today, uh, making this decision, and uh, four things to make a marriage last. Four things to make a marriage last. And this is family. This is going to just kind of literally go in every area of our life. Um, this is uh, what I teach when I do this in a, in a sit-down sit session with couples. Um, I, I teach these principles as these are load-bearing walls in the home. 
All right? A load-bearing wall in the home is a, is a wall that cannot be moved. Uh, so when we're talking about this flipping house process, when we're talking about pulling the things out, redoing, mixing it up, changing situations, these are the walls that cannot come out. These are the walls that cannot be moved. These are the walls that need to be strengthened. These are the walls that you need to look at and make sure the two-by-fours inside behind the sheetrocks are in place and all the stuff that happens. They cannot be moved. So today, four principles in short today to kind of seal the deal in marriage and what this looks like to have this home that's going to be uh, something that will last, have this marriage that will last. And the first one is this. It is building a marriage that will last. And this word last, so you'll be able to connect and remember this, each of these four principles in the word L-A-S-T, each letter is going to have a principle behind that. And it's going to have something that you can be able to, to connect with in your mind. And the first one is this. The first is loving communication. The first is loving communication. Uh, in a wartime situation, uh, when um, there, there's two uh, armies that are fighting against one another, one of the things that they want to do is this. They want to take out the communications of the other side. Bob, you probably saw this and was taught this and know this from the military side. I, I remember being uh, in front of the television set watching the Wolf Blitzer, who was a commentator for, I believe, CNN, and when, uh, when we had the Gulf War, and so we watched Scud missiles. For the first time, we watched on television uh, with technology, these cameras that were placed upon these missiles, and these missiles actually going through the air, going after the communications of the, other, uh, of the enemy side. And so this is huge. Uh, the enemy will do this. The enemy will, in every way, try to break down the communication in your home, in your family, in this church. And you see this, and when there's no communication, there's frustration. Well, there's no communication, there's frustration. We did everything that we could this, this morning and over yesterday and last night to get the word out that we were only having one service today. We did, we text, we email, we tweeted, we Facebook, we did everything that we could to get this out today. But you know something, there was someone who showed up this morning at 9 o'clock. This was unable to get communicated to them. And, uh, and let's just be honest, they were probably a little frustrated. They're probably a little frustrated because they got up, got ready, came to church, wanted to encounter Christ or whatever it was, and they're a little bit frustrated because maybe that didn't get communicated to them. So communication is this. Communication is when there's something that's given that is mutually received. All right? So it's not communication. We, we can say, oh, man, we communicated that to you. We did not. We didn't connect to them where they were on their level. So maybe we didn't text them personally. Maybe we didn't pick up the phone and let them know that, hey, this is, uh, there will be no 9 o'clock service today. There's only one service or whatever it is. So communication is this. It has to be something that is given and then turned around and received by the other individual. So that's, that's a big deal. And the moment communication is cut off is the moment that that relationship begins to die. So it's, it's, it's immediate. It's immediate. The moment that happens is the moment this thing begins to die. And so you want to do this. You want to do everything that you can to get the word into the other person that you're connecting with, your spouse, your family. Uh, again, this is applicable in, in many areas. So you want to communicate. Business leaders, use this principle in your workplace, whatever. This is huge. You must communicate to someone else. And this is something that happens a lot of times is we want to do this. When we think someone is not uh, receiving what we're giving, we sometimes want to get louder. I grew up in, uh, in very Pentecostal church, and we we're spirit-filled Pentecostal charismatic, believing in all the gifts. We're that church, but I grew up where the, I, I really believe this. I thought some, I think some of these guys were taught if they got thought if they got louder, then you would hear them. 
Now, sometimes they get louder because they're excited. Sometimes I get louder just because I'm excited. I'm happy. I get pumped. Yeah, it's Jesus. And so we get louder. But we do this sometimes in the home. Sometimes in our home, we see our spouse who we don't think is receiving. And so we want to get louder and we want to get boisterous. We want to get loud with what we do. You know what that, that does in most situations? <sighs> Builds a wall up. So you have to do this. You have to figure out. So this word that I'm speaking of is this. It's being a loving communicator. Loving. It's a key word. Loving communication. This is a big deal. And so I'm going to, again, shorten my notes to get this in you today. But I want to give you two things along this line that I feel very strong about that we have to give when it comes to this area of communication. Two very important ones. And the first one is this. It's going to surprise you a little bit. Be a good listener. Be a good listener. We don't... We don't use a connect that with communication. We, we, as a matter of fact, we, we connect the opposite of that. We, we take someone who is able to get up and maybe eloquently speak or, or present something to someone, and, and they say this about them. They say, man, that person's a great communicator. And they sure do communicate. Now, and they may do part of that well, but again, the other part of this, and this is going to be huge in your home, it's a big deal, and this is that you do this. You learn to be a good listener. Those who know me well, don't say amen about what I'm getting ready to say, but this is a struggle for me. I'm about to go to the altar right now and pray through, because uh, I said not to say that, guys. There's visitors here. There's a few people here. Don't let them... This is a struggle for me. This is not air that comes natural for me, and, uh, and so I'm learning I'm learning. It's a process. So you know what I try to do is this. I try to just crucify my flesh, and I try to put these together sometimes because in situations when something happens, we want to do this. We want to come back at that person. We want to come at them harder, and we want to, instead of doing this, just sitting back and listening. I heard someone say we have two ears, one mouth for a reason. We're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. I mean, your husband should have said amen right there. Y'all missed a good spot. But just let's think for a minute. This is an area that we have to do this, and this is huge. And as I've learned, as I've, I've done this in ministry now, I'm trying to apply this in all areas of my life, I found out that, uh, that it is, it's beneficial because I was set there, and I would do this. I would hear the initial few words out of the mouth of the person across the desk or across the, the table, whatever it is. I would hear their words, and then I'd want to respond you want to respond? Or I would do this. So this is equally as bad. I would go to a place in my mind where I'm preparing for what I'm getting ready to say back. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to the altar right now and lay money on the altar and pray through today. Pastor's all up in my, my business. Yes, I am. You, you do that. You start thinking, okay, well, she, she come at me with this, and he said this, and so I'm on my mind going right here, and I'm getting ready. So as soon as I find an opening, I'm, I'm going in. Dog. I'm going to give it. I'm going to jab, and I'm going to I'm going into this thing. And, and this is in an area of communication. It's wrong. Matter of fact, the Bible even tells us a couple of things. Uh, in the book of Proverbs, and these are in the message, the message says this, watch your words, hold your tongue, and you'll save yourself a lot of grief. Can I get a witness? I mean, watch your words, hold your tongue, you'll save yourself a lot of grief. Proverbs 18, 13, and the message says this, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Some of y'all never took notes. Y'all are taking notes this morning in God's house. Y'all are like, come on, somebody, pastor's on it this morning. 
and he's bringing, I mean, take notes, write it down. But it's, it's rude, and so I have to learn to try to do this. Just pull back, listen, it's stupid, and it's rude. And so I'm going I'm to stop, always coming back, always hitting back hard. So open my ears up a little bit more, listen to what's being said. And you may find this out, and this has helped me over the years, is when that happens, if I listen more, usually it works itself out. As a matter of fact, they may end up in a different area than where I even thought they were going if I just listened. As a matter of fact, it's, it's kind of funny in, in, you know, when it comes to even counseling and um, some of those things. There's sometimes I just kind of listen more than I speak. And it's, it's a trip. People come out and say, man, Pastor Terry, he's an awesome counselor. He's the man. He just, I didn't say nothing. You know, I just, you just listen. So sometimes just, just listening. So just open up your ears, listen to what they're saying. And I promise you this. Here's, here's the truth. Your spouse wants to be heard. And if you don't listen, they'll find someone who will. So listen. Be open. The second thing is this. When you do speak, use wisdom. When you do speak, use wisdom. You will not go around as a mute all the time and never say anything. I love Dee's testimony last week. Uh, for a long time in their relationship, in their marriage, she was silent. Uh, she says she's more vocal now. She's learned to do that, but she's careful in what she speaks. We have to come to the place because we will speak. We will have to and somehow have the communication and talk and speak back to the other person. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says this. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. That it may impart grace to the hearers. That, that word edification means to build up. And so this is what you're doing with your spouse in this area of communication. You, you're, you're speaking using words of wisdom. And so if you don't have those words of wisdom, good thing uh, God tells us that we, we see in the book of James chapter 3, if we lack wisdom, ask. Just ask. Jesus, I need some wisdom today in this area. And it's so awesome. He said he'll give it to you liberally, without reproach. He'll just open it up and pour it into your life. So ask for wisdom. And then use those words carefully. And then speak words that edify and build up your spouse. You'd be amazed at what happens just in that principle alone. When you start speaking words of life and instead of speaking words of death, which we talked about before. So be very careful in that area. Let those words and the things that are in your, come out of your mouth be thought out, be well, well spoken. And I promise you, if you do that, your spouse will receive that. They'll open up and open their ears, and that'll be given. And so a lot of times, sometimes we're not hearing because of what's being said. So use those words wisely. Speak those things out. A couple of practical ways just to do this um, in, in, in creating the atmosphere uh, in your home of, for communication in different areas. Sometimes you may just have to do this, and this is a struggle for all of us. Sometimes when you may need to just put the technology aside and just set that aside, and that's difficult. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to do. I, I, I saw a picture the other day somebody posted, and um, they stacked up all the phones at the dinner table at the restaurant upside down, and the first person who went and grabbed the phone first was the one who had to pay the bill. <laughs> that would change some of our conversations and our dinner plans. And so when y'all go out after church, when you go hang out with your buddy, and instead of having to see the top of somebody's head the whole time, it's old, you know, but we've all done, we're all guilty. Uh, maybe set that aside. Turn off television. Do those types of things. I know Netflix marathons on snow days are fun. They're a blessing, but sometimes cut it off. Do what you got to do. Set that aside. Second thing is just do this. Just have fun. 
Don't make your home where it's always so serious and it's frustrating. Nobody wants to be there. I want our home to be a home of fun and enjoyment and, and want people to come in and be a part and, have, and enjoy that process. Third thing is this, and I'm going quick, is this, is praise and worship in the home. Just open up the, the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit in, create an environment for him to just come in and dwell there. You'll, you'll be amazed at what this will do. So again, the first principle today is this, loving communication. Letter A is this, agreeing spiritually. Agreeing spiritually. And if you want any of these notes for, for four weeks of counsel, I'll email you every bit of it and uh, in a Word document for you to study and use um, if you want these. So uh, please let me know. But letter A is agreeing spiritually. Your spiritual walk is the most important thing in your relationship. Your spiritual walk is the most important thing in your marriage, in your life, in your relationships. It is the most important thing that you know Jesus and that he, he has this relationship with you. And, and, and in our relationship, in our marriage, if we're not agreeing spiritually, uh, Amos said this in, in, in chapter 3. He said, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? And so there, when you see this dissension, uh, when you see this separation happen, there's no agreement there. But it does not matter how far you are apart. If you're going after God, you're getting closer to one another. You're, there's no way. If, if you're saying, God, first of all, I'm going to pursue him. I'm going I'm to chase after him. I want to know him. And as you get closer to him, I promise you, this will happen in your marriage, and you'll get closer to one another. And I, I'm going to say something that some people disagree with, but I believe it's true. There'll, be, there'll, there'll never be the divorce of two people who are going after Jesus. I just, if I sit down and find scripture, and again, we've already talked about divorce before, and we know it's been dealt with. My, my dad was before he married my mom. That, that's not even an issue right now. But I believe this to be true. If there are two people going after God, they're going to end up closer together. So you pursue this. It also means this. If you're in a relationship right now and you're not married and they're not going after God, you go the other direction. Young people hear me right now. Listen, when you're looking for them, when you're checking them out, when they follow you on Instagram, you start looking at their pictures if they don't glorify Jesus. Cut them off. I'm telling you, man. I'm, I'm going to help somebody. So, you, so you, you separate. You don't go to those things. But again, the marriage relationship, you pray your spouse pursues. You pray your spouse goes after God. He does this. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. The message says, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. It's war. And, and, and is light best friends with dark? And ask that question. I mean, so this, this, this will never work. Uh, this will never happen. And, and the most important thing that you can do is this. In your relationship is fall more in love with Jesus, pursue him and his ways, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'll add these other things. You start going after God in this area. You watch, you'll watch your life change. You'll watch the marriage change. You'll watch the situation change. When you get together in agreement, Agreement's a powerful thing. It is, it is, there's so much in it. We see in Scripture, and I can, man, this is one of those things I can hang out for a while, but agreement is a powerful force. It's why we open our altars up and pray. We come down and we pray for one another. We agree with you for your need. It affects heaven and it affects earth when we get together in agreement and believe. And there's no more person that you can get more in agreement with than your spouse. He made you one. So you get in agreement in certain areas. You find out and, and figure out ways to do this, and you find out what's happening and why you're not. And deal with those things. Because this is what happens. God works in our agreement. Satan works in our argument. 
He works in our argument. He works where there's division. He works where there's separation. He works in these areas, and he, he comes against. And so, again, there's something within us, and beautiful song choice earlier, guys, but song home. There's something in our heart that it is only going to be filled with Christ, and that's knowing him. So make that effort. Five quick things that you need to do to agree spiritually with your spouse, with your family, with someone in your life is this. Number one is pray together. Devotions and word together, getting God's word, spend time in those areas, find out what the Bible says about your life. Uh, number three is have an open environment and uh, conversations about him. Don't let Sunday be the only time you talk about Jesus with your spouse. Talk about it, just find out, discuss him. Fourth thing is this, get in church somewhere. Be a part of a Bible-believing, a spirit-filled church that believes the word of God. Get in there together. Number five is this, remove the things that will hinder your spiritual journey. Remove the things that will hinder your spiritual journey. We're going to dig deeper in this in another message. And uh, we're going to talk about some things we believe in our home that, that are not allowed, that we believe help shape our home. So uh, remove the things that hinder your spiritual journey. So again, that's agreeing spiritually. Look at your neighbor and say, agree spiritually. Agree spiritually. Man, I've got a lot going on right now. This is happening so good. This is flowing. All right, letter S. Letter S. Pastor Chris did so well with what he said a little bit during time of giving. Letter S is this, staying responsible financially. Staying responsible financially. Money is the number one uh, reason for divorce and fights in the home. You see this. You see the, the frustration, the pressures that can happen that come from this thing and, and, uh, and, and what takes place when, when there's pressures that, that kind of get in this area and you're struggling and wondering how we're going to do this, how are we going to do that. It, it, it adds pressure. People have different views of money, what that looks like, where we should put it. You have to get together. That's why all these things work together. But uh, this, this area is huge in our life. You see the Bible filled Filled with it over and over and over. The Bible, just, it offers verse after verse on giving the principles, possessions. It says so many things there. And, and it even talks about, even in our life, in our individual life, what we should do. Uh, it, it could almost, if you read the scripture, and, and if you just did it on your own, you opened up the Bible, you was on a deserted island. Nobody was telling you what, it sh- what you should do. I don't believe you can come out of reading that book even alone and say, I don't have to give to God. I don't need to give to him financially. What, what, does this, what does that matter in my life? This principle, and I promise you, when he's not first in this area of your life, it brings, it brings so much pressures and struggles. It opens up. It opens up the door to the enemy. The word says this, that when we give to him, that he will rebuke the devourer. He will rebuke the devourer. That means there's someone right now who is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out in every way that he can to break down and to take from you. He's out to devour and take your finances because he knows what this will do to your household and your life. So he's out to do this. The Bible says when we give to him, this allows him to come in on our behalf and he rebukes the devourer for us. He speaks on our behalf. This is, this is just an amazing thing. I've had people say, Pastor, would you agree with me that we're just going to rebuke the devourer off my finances right now, and we're going to do this right now. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do this right now. But you know something? He will. He's got way more pull than I got. He's got way more pull than you do. And it's when we do this, when we're all kind of operating and walking obedience in this area, that he brings the blessings into our life. It's just true. It's so much scripture and so much Bible on it. And he wants this because he wants you to give because it is an indicator of your heart. 
This is an indicator of your heart. Uh, I, I say often, you, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You cannot do it. If you love someone, that's going to flow out of you. You're going to give to them. You're going to give your spouse. You're going to give to the Lord. So he's very concerned about this. I teach in great detail in these principles. I teach the 10, 10, 80 principle. Uh, 10, 10, and 80 equals 100%. What do we do with 100% of our finances? This is principles have been taught in other places, and it's good. And I believe it's a great way to simplify finances. And the first one is this. You take the first 10 and you give it to God. First 10, and you just give it to God. And I know people say this, well, man, if I give 10% of the amount of my own 90 left, I ain't been able to make it with my 100%. That's your fault. That's your word. And that's your problem is this. You're saying, I can't make it with my 100%. It ain't yours. It's not yours. We understand that Corinthians says that everything we have is a gift. Everything we have is a gift from him. And so we know this, and we just see this. He asked for a percentage of it back. I believe it's principle. I believe it's, people say, well, that's, that's the law. No, it's before the law. It's pre-law. It's, and so it, it didn't have anything to do with law and scripture. Again, I'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And I'm always open to be proven wrong. But we see this throughout scripture. Um, Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. The first fruits means the choice best part. He wants it first, and, uh, and so we give to him in this area. We tithe. We take that principle. Um, I have someone who's part of our church, and I've uh, been coming for a while, and, and uh, they didn't even know what that meant as much as we talk about it. So maybe I don't talk about it enough as a pastor, but t- tithe literally means tenth. So you take a percentage, you give it to him, and, uh, and then just watch what he does, and it's a beautiful thing. But it's not just that principle alone. This will happen. If, if you come up and all your finances are in a mess, they're in shambles, and you just tithe that you don't change the other areas, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be ticked off. You're going to be calling me a liar, and I'm not. You'll call the word a liar, and it's not. And so he's enough about other things in Scripture that he wants us to do as well. And, and this is what I believe as well. We take that second ten, first one we give to God, the second one we do this. We take a percentage of that, and we put this back. We put a percentage back. We plan. We, we do things. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 12, a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. A simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. So this is important that we do this. And so we make decisions to put back. Uh, we, we make decisions to set things aside. David said in Psalms that if the riches increase, don't set your heart on them. So you don't do it with the wrong motive, with the wrong heart. Put your heart on that money. You put your mind on Christ. But he wants us to put back, I believe, and, and, and make some decisions. And so we take part of that and we put back. And that leaves us with this last 80, which means we have to do this probably spend it differently than what we've been. This is one of the biggest things. I, I see people want to do one of, the, one of the two. They want to be the person who is spiritually going to say, I'm going to give to God, but they don't make good decisions with the rest of it. That's, that's going to be tough because the Bible talks about both, remember? And I've seen, I've seen people do this. They don't give to God. They're the biggest, most stingiest, tightest person that you've ever seen and works a 1,000 hours a week if they can get hours in. They put back everything they can. They try their best to do this, and they're still miserable because you have to come to the place to where you want to do two things, the super side and the natural side come together when we give to him. It comes together. Y'all got quiet on this message right here. Y'all was rocking, backing me up on L&A. S, silence. So maybe that's what I need to do. This is just as much Bible as the rest of it, okay? So, so we give to him. We make decisions. That means we have to do this. Uh, in some, some ways, we have to say no to things. 
I'm about to say no to things. There's some errors maybe we've been saying yes to, a spending or whatever. I'm about to say no. You may have to say no for a season. You may have to say no for a season. So you make some decisions. And so you do this. And again, I go into it in great detail, but you make these decisions together. You sit down and you do things a little bit different in this area. And I promise you, you'll pull back and you'll watch God work. And you'll be able to lay your head down on your pillow at night when you've given to God and made the good decisions with the rest. I promise you. I promise you. It'll take stress off of you. It'll take stress off the relationship. It'll put you in a different frame of mind for our last principle, and that's T. And that's taking sex seriously. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so that's the crowd. Y'all, it's quiet in the first one. Let's see how y'all doing this one. Taking sex seriously. Um, uh, uh, this, is, this is one of the areas that, um, that I, I, there's a lot of struggle in, and it's amazing to me. When I sit down with couples, and we spend time with one another, and we start to find out what's going on, why they're in the situation they're in, it always ends up being one or more, or in some situations, all four of these principles. These are load-bearing. These have to be in position and place in the marriage. And this, and this is the last one, and it's taking sex seriously. Why would I even discuss these things? Why would I even talk about that? Why would I, I give counsel and sit across the desk and talk to people about this? Why would I get on the stage? Maybe pe- people feel kind of awkward and even hearing some of these things because the Bible talks about it. And, and, the, and the world's done this. The world slid in there and told us a lie, and we've believed it. And as a result, it's done this. It's divided homes. It's destroyed families. It's destroyed individuals who get to the place before they even get into marriage and their life's so wrecked because they believe the lie. So we have to come out and we have to speak the truth and what that says. And so a few things when it comes to this area, and the first one is this. Know that this, God invented it. God invented it. He designed this. He, I, I, I don't believe when he put Adam and Eve on the earth. In the garden, Genesis 2.25 said, naked. <laughs> naked. Tell us how you say it. Y'all, some of y'all have been saying that wrong. Naked. Naked and not ashamed. They didn't get together... And then he freak out and scratch his head and say, oh, God, what have I done? He didn't do that. You know why? Because it was part of his plan. It was part of the purposes. It was, it was the reason he puts husband and wife together. That's the reason none of these other things work. Man, female, husband, wife. That's why he created and designed it for it to be. That's what he designed it. And outside of that parameter, it does this. In every area of your life, it'll bring destruction when you don't do this within the plan and the purposes of God. And, and it's amazing. I, I, um, when I was youth pastor, Pastor Chris, you can use this one sometime. I don't mind. But when I, I was youth pastor one time, I, I, a lot of times what I would do at the end of the service, I would kind of just get them ready for next week and try to get them to come back. And this was one of the way I led in to a message when I was going to be speaking about sex and what the Bible says with my young people. I told them this. I said, if you come back next week, the title of uh, next week's message is this, how to have great sex. <laughs> and, and our highest attended youth service ever had the next week, man. I mean, because they come in. And you know what I told them? 
They came in, and everybody was like getting ready. Nobody wanted to worship that day. They wanted the pastor to go ahead and get on into the message. So he talked to us. Tell us what's going on. And this is how you have great sex. You wait till you get married. You wait, wait till you get married. Do this according to his plan. And, and let this be an in, in a, in a, a openness to what he wants us to do. And in the Bible, he created this. He's not opposed to this. This is what's wrong with the church today and with the world today. They've tried to talk about and, and get us to somehow believe that, that the sinner has all the fun in this area. That's not God's plan. It's for the husband and wife to enjoy this and, and to spend time together in this area. And so we have to be open to these areas and, and be open to what God would have us to do in these areas. And, 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 he, and he says something in Scripture Paul said this, and I want you to get ready for this. Some of y'all have never highlighted scriptures in your Bible. This is the one. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. I'm going to read it in the message, 1 through 4. It says, now getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, it is a good, good thing to have sexual relations. Certainly. But only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Wow. Verse, verse 3, the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband, this is, this is going to be key, seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. This is a decision. Marriage is a decision. So if I'm going to live my life this way to serve my spouse in every area, I'm going, to try to, I'm going to live my life to meet their need. And so you do this. So again, you find out what this looks like. And outside of that plan, it's wrong. And God sets parameters in place for this. And so if your husband and wife, nothing else is brought into that. So that means this. Even before the marriage, you're not allowing pornography and those things to come into your mind. It distorts. And, it, and it, uh, in every way, and it creates something within your mind that shows you an unrealistic expectation of what marriage is and what your spouse should be. That's what this does. And so you don't do this. So, so if, you, if that's what you fill your mind with, and I, I want to say this, and, and I get people mad at me about this too, but hey, it's all right. Porn comes in written form also. I can read that book and it ain't no big deal. It's a lie. It gets in your mind. I can, I can read this about so-and-so and Fifty Shades, Seven, I don't know, it don't matter. Then you can, well, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. And the enemy comes in and he puts an unrealistic expectation in your mind of what your spouse should be. So he uses these things. He distorts it. And so, but understand this. God created it. He created it with certain parameters. And that parameters is this, in, his, in the plan and only in the place of marriage. And so in the last principle behind this is this, have communication in this area. So all these things work together. Have communication in this area. Without communication, there's going to be disappointment. Don't assume. Don't just know. And, and, and please deal with this. And some of you are like, man, Pastor went in today, didn't he? He went there. Yeah, I did. Because you know what? These are things that are destroying your houses. And if we're going to flip them and get them back, we've got to get back to what this word tells us. And he tells us in every one of these areas in Scripture what we should do. 
when we surrender our will to his will, his plan unfolds in our life.